When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Action fanatics, welcome to another edition of the Bulletproof Podcast. Chris the Brain and Chad Cruz with you as always. And Chad, let me tell you another podcast and another time for me to congratulate your team, the Cruise Missiles. Another big win. You you just destroyed me. Thanks in great part to Section 8, which uh, we talked about last time here on the show. We did. I don't want to give you all the credit because you did review the film, Section 8, that we were just talking about. Um, but you know what? It, it did such great numbers. And having two members of that cast on, on my squad, it, it really helped out a lot. But, you know, to be honest with you, if it wasn't Section 8, it would have been some something else. So we, we were going to pull it out either way, oh, I'm, I'm sorry to say. All right. Well, yeah, I, I'm sorry to say that I am now, or the Brainiacs are one and two for the season, and that's not great. But it's better than our special guest, the toy man, Christy Petrillo, because he is 0 and 3. He can't win, and he's the one who came up with this game. <laughs> yeah, I am. Uh, I'm hurting. You know, this is Frankenstein's monster. I threw out the suggestion. We all agreed yeah. on it. We went for it. We're having fun with it. And I am just getting killed. I have a question for you. How much money was Don the Dragon Wilson paying you to keep him on your team for three weeks? <laughs> you know, you would figure a guy that has eight Blood Fist movies to his credit would get uh, a little bit more acknowledgement on our site. But I guess the dragon is just not breathing fire these days. He's just <laughs> blowing smoke. He's now, dragging ass for your team as well. Oh, are I we see gonna did there? Are we gonna have a mid-season redraft, like a two-round redraft? What are we thinking here? I'm thinking that's a possibility. possibility. At least, at least I mean, there it's are good. trades and subs that go in, or even yeah. just say uh, some sort of free agent type thing, and we pick some more guys up to uh, spice things up for the second half. Yeah. We're all just gonna draft people from House of the Dragon at this point. That's you know, and I I, <laughs> I talked myself out of doing that earlier when we when we did the draft because I if, thought, if, if anyone would have done that we could have just ended this we right. been like it's over with we'll we'll or you're out you're already in the finals right that's so, like when you know the you, other three you, of us would just square off and have a bye week every every other week. Oh, it's when you play uh, your NBA two K game and someone just plays as like the Bulls with Michael Jordan you're like come on dude like that's not even fair. No, so this week it's uh, the only team I've been able to beat is uh, is the Avenging Ninjas, and so I'm gonna try to repeat that. But I'm I'm sure that uh, obviously, Chris, you would like to have your first win at my I expense. It's it's ironic since my favorite football team, being the Dolphins, are having a hell of a season so far, and now I've seemingly taken their place as the uh, the bastard child <laughs> of the league. You know what? It's not helping the uh, the cruise missiles anything any is uh, I haven't written an article in like three weeks I don't think so <laughs> it yeah. feels like I haven't written anything in a while. Well, good thing all of our 
contributions count towards this. Otherwise, you'd be the that's one. Right. Who's dragging well, yeah. Out. Then if it was just who wrote the most, then I think I'd be the the, the victor. Yeah, quite, I would quite easily. So. <laughs> even yeah, even if my things didn't do that well, um, you know, just the sheer. I would beat you by quantity, if not by quality. Right. So there, there you go. Probably both. Maybe so. Um, but yeah, so the Bulletproof Gladiators this week, we've got uh, the cruise missiles and the rogues, the undefeated rogue squadron. Uh, we got to take them down. We got to, we got to, we got to cha- change some things up. I know I, I went with the same lineup this week as I did last week. So but, did you he. Know, it, it, it worked well last week. And uh, I, I feel like Section A is going to continue to pr- produce this week. So, you know, it, Got to ride until he die. Ride, ride until he bucks you, or you don't ride at all. <laughs> so there you go. And avenging ninjas, and the brainiacs, the top two teams, the bottom two teams, squaring off here in week four. Obviously, you could follow along uh, with what's going on with the bulletproof gladiators on bulletproofaction.com, and you could support the team you want to win by going through the vast archives of bulletproofaction.com and picking your favorite action superstars. Like a Dolph Lundgren, like a Scott Atkins that helped Chad Cruz win. Like, well, not this week. You know, actually, yeah, this week, everybody go on Don the Dragon Wilson since he's not playing. <laughs> I, I mean, I've got, there just, are just to, reviews. We've got Black Belt. Just to fuck with him. That's what I like. I'll be like, oh, you should have played him this week. He has 75 points. What the hell are you doing over there? You know, we did have Don uh correspond with us for that paying mr mcgetty movie several years ago maybe we need to get back in touch with them for a special interview and that'll uh yeah maybe you need to pick him maybe you need to contact our good friend chad michael collins and see if he'll pick up go. one of uh, our chad michael collins reviews for you there we go because i got news for you i ran the early numbers today of course you did that's right. Because once I got it automated I could do this all day long maybe a little longer but Chuck Norris has given me a good head start with Invasion USA. That's all I have to say. You know, the 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 uh, immense calendar that you keep on your computer yeah. is a, it's a major asset when it comes to the Bulletproof Gladiators. And most people probably don't know that you have this, but you are a massive nerd. And uh, you have this calendar, and, and every day is just full of anniversaries, Anniversary, birthdays. birthdays and, correct. So, yeah, I mean... If anyone had the advantage here, I think it was you, Brain. I'm sorry to say. Well, knowledge is power in, in this situation. Yes. But again, you would think that, but I've only won one time. So I've been very consistent. My team is probably the most consistent of them all, but that don't mean shit when, when the other team's got 900 freaking points. Correct? That's yes. accurate, right. yes. All right, so that's the Bulletproof Gladiators. I'm sure we've just thrilled a good chunk of our audience with this talk. Uh, but while we're talking just about things going on, Cobra Kai Season 5 has come and gone now. Chris, you covered this for us on uh, bulletproofaction.com. If anybody uh, wants to click I on did. it. Yep, I kept it, uh, I kept it vague since uh, you know I always do those timely reviews of the weekend releases. But uh, yeah, what a season. I am... Anxiously anticipating season six. I know See, with- that's what I wanted to ask you. Do you, I? I don't know where they're where they're going to go with season six. Season five. I mean that that last one really seemed to wrap up everything. I, I mean, I could see a shortened season six, but what are they going to do? I mean, I guess they could go to that world competition, but uh, 
I don't know. I guess that's what they're going to do. I So my fantasy booking, for you wrestling nerds out there, that terminology, I have always had the idea, uh, especially now with what we saw happen to John Kreese in that season, is that John Kreese will uh, vanquish by the time Cobra Kai ends, whether it's through uh, just, uh, you know, Mother Nature taking her course on him, uh, whether it's by some type of uh, ill-fated means. But I think that John Kreese dies by the time the finale of Cobra Kai rolls around and he makes amends with Johnny, which is something that his stubbornness has not allowed him to do. And he asks that Johnny let Cobra Kai die with him, playing Mm. off the old slogan. So if Terry Silver is to be defeated, which I don't think he's going down too easily, uh, you would expect a man who has had the same attorney on standby for 30 years would probably be able to get out of the court cases that are facing him right now. Uh, Jerry McDevitt. Yeah, probably. Pull a McMahon on him. But I think that John Kreese dies... And I think that he makes amends with Johnny. And I think that we see everybody kind of having a sense of normalcy. You know, kids are going off to college. Johnny's raising the baby, like all that type of stuff. And then I think the last scene is that, you know, the uh, reformed family man, Johnny Lawrence, uh, gets kind of uh, accosted by someone who wants to start a tiff over some minor indiscretion. And he just kind of clenches his fist and gives the guy a look and we fade out. Uh, not knowing if the guy gets his ass kicked or not. All right. I mean, I, I guess so. I don't know. I don't think they can do it a whole season six personally, but. Well, they have to do something because I don't know how I feel about the fact that they're reviving it as a theatrical release, but it has no connection to Cobra Right, Kai. no connection. So it's just a hard reboot. Or, I mean, it would have to be if there's no connection. There'd be none of the original characters. They're rebooting Cobra Kai? No. No, they're rebooting the the Karate Kid. Kid. Didn't they already do that? This is basically the Child's Play 2019 Hmm. with, uh, what's his face? Luke Skywalker's voice there, Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill. As the AI Chucky, whereas (laughs) Don Mancini owns the actual rights to the original Chucky and has been doing the awesome TV series, which will also be reviewed on bulletproofaction.com in uh, a week or so when it premieres on USA. That's right. Toy Man is going to be a busy October. Yeah, we've got, season. Uh, we've got the Chuck good Post month. planned. We're ending September with a look back on both of the Shoot Fighter films featuring William Zabka and Martin Cove in the first one. Mm, interesting. Trying to get you, trying to get Marty Cove some points, aren't trying to get you? Marty Cove some points, but we are approaching the 30th anniversary of that first film, so that's that some true. podcast fodder for 2023. For I I would agree. I'm I'm on board for that. Uh, you know, I'm going to be getting some points because you talked about Terry Silver, of course, played by Thomas Ian Griffith, the notorious TIG as he is known around these parts, um, and. Uh, our good friend Saurabh Dutt suggested that we cover Thomas's movie Excessive Force. Also, we'll be celebrating an anniversary next year. Um, and, you know, we like to listen to our fans, Chad Cruz. Yeah, we do at times. And, and very often they're uh, 
they have good ideas, you know, so it's, it's good to listen to them every once in a while. I mean, a lot of times people are like, Hey, watch Mark war more, uh, Mark Wahlberg movies. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh God, it's terrible. So yeah, yeah uh, I don't like to listen to them that often, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, every once in a while they get a good, a good idea here and there. Yeah. Saurav's always good for a good idea. He is. He, He's he, got a lot of good movie recommendations. He's good. So uh, we, we will be doing that. And of course, if you want to give us any suggestions, feedback of any kind, you can follow us on social media at Bulletproof Pod on Twitter and at Bulletproof Action on Facebook and Instagram. And we will return after a short break to talk excessive force. All right, back with you, Chris the Brain, Chad Cruz, and Chris DiPetrillo, a.k.a. The Toy Man. And we are going to be talking about the Thomas Ian Griffith film Excessive Force, released on May 14th, 1993, directed by John Hess. And uh, Chris, let's start with you. Uh, Your earliest memories of this film? Earliest memories of this film is catching this one on cable, watching it with my cousins. Uh, It was another one of those films that made its way onto a VHS tape in our massive shared collection and one that uh, I really enjoyed. It was cool to see Terry Silver uh, as another character named Terry, uh, but cool to see him on the side of good for a change because, you know, he showed a little bit of skill in Karate Kid part three, and this was kind of his, uh, his coming out party his tour de force to try to make him into the next big action star. Yeah. It seemed like they were kind of going for a Seagal vibe with them. Very much. Uh, a bit. And, uh, but maybe if I, friendly or so i don't know how you would explain it but chad cruz as far as you know this was your first time watching this movie your your uh quick first impressions and chad cruz is gone uh-oh one of those cruise missiles has detonated and chad cruz is back i'm back as i was asking you i just threw it to you mr <clears throat> cruz i said Sorry i know this that. you this was the uh as far as you could remember anyway, the first time you ever saw the movie. So just a quick first impression of uh, Thomas Ian Griffith, action hero. Yeah, that's it. Like I told you earlier, um, if I had seen it, I didn't remember it. Um, obviously, I knew uh, T.I.G. And I most remember him as a villain in, in a few different movies. But I enjoyed it a lot. I don't want to spoil too much for the fans who are going to listen to the entire podcast. Oh, yeah. but, They're waiting. Um, uh, he's very tall and lanky. That's what we said. Yeah. Uh, and he's, he just looks like a bad guy to me, I guess, but yeah, super fun movie. I'm excited to talk about you it. You know, and I think, and you brought that up too, Chris, in your Cobra Kai review, the line in Cobra Kai, who's the big bond villain, because that's exactly what he looks like. It's especially more so now with the silver hair to match his silver name. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Now, he's now he's more he's of like a caricature. Like he just has that, that vibe but here he was you know they try to make him like the hardened yet suave detective so like you said like a little bit of seagal a little bit more charisma than seagal though you know a little bit more luck with the ladies yeah. and whatnot here yeah yeah he and and he has a different kind of feel to him as well he, the way he wears that black trench coat all the time it he seems like a bad guy wearing that coat uh although it looks amazing i would love to wear a duster like that all the time but uh yeah there's something about like just the, 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 his frame and his skills as a martial artist. Um, you wouldn't expect him to kind of be a finesse kicker like he is um, because, because of his size, I guess. But 
I mean, uh, he's kind of also you kind of compare him. He's kind of a cross between Seagal and Lauren Avedon. Yeah. In in his style, would you say? Just the look, just in general look, and yeah, even with the you know more with the kicks. Obviously, Avedon was well known for his kicks. Right, Avedon had amazing kicks and, and great speed. Um, but kind of just looks like a normal guy, you know, kind of like T.I.G. He's just kind of a normal, a, a tall guy, but not like, you know, Van Damme. Not he doesn't normal. look like, yeah, he doesn't look like a, a bodybuilder or, yeah. When I was a teenager watching this, he gave me a Christopher Lambert vibe. Mm, another, yeah. Okay. I could see that as well. Well, we get to see his skills in the <laughs> opening credits. Yeah. Uh, Terry McCain just going to town doing some training. And we also briefly see all the newspaper clippings. We we know who Terry's white whale is. It's Sal DeMarco, played by the one and only Burt Young. And always great to see Burt Young in a non poly role. Yeah, yeah, it is good. It's good to I'm sure he his wife appreciates it too. Yeah, I'm sure. So we've got uh there's a big money drug buy that's gonna go down between DeMarco and some other ne'er do wells. And uh Terry and his fellow cops, Dylan, played by Tom Hodges, and Frankie, Tony Todd, the Candyman, for heaven's sake. Hell yeah. Uh, they're going to crash that party. Also Scareglow from Masters of the Universe Revelation. All right. <laughs> and go. did you recognize, now see, you are an 80s movie buff, uh, just like I am, not just I am? with comedy. Did you recognize Dylan? Do you remember what he's from? Oh, geez. You know, I was, no. And I, I went to go look it up because I'm like, I it, it's like, I know this guy He's in something, but I can't, I cannot place. So it. Tom Hodges is uh, most famous for eighties comedy fans as being chip, the meat Hayes in revenge of the nerds too. nerds in paradise. There you go. Oh, how about that? There you go. Yeah. I knew I seen this man before. And I probably the last time I, I watched it when I got the DVD a couple years back, I looked it up and was like, Oh yeah. And again, I, now, years later, I forgot. Although in this movie, he looks very much like how uh, Dash Mihawk looked in Ray Donovan over the last yes. couple of years. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, that mustache is pretty can, sweet. Can I say just how much I appreciate that opening scene with the uh, as the credits come on? That score is fantastic. Um, and you get that brief training sequence. Very brief. But it it has a great effect because... Now I know this guy does martial arts. If you were to just start the film and me, I, I, I've seen, you know, Thomas Ian Griffith, like do martial arts for us. So that that's not surprising to me. But if you just start a movie and you see a, a cop on a bust and he just starts roundhouse kicking people, right. like what? Like the yeah. cops don't do that. He would just shot him. But it makes sense because I just watched him do martial arts for five Good seconds. So and, and I love it. And as Chris said, this was like the coming out part. This was like, we're going to make this guy start. So people, this probably was a lot of people's first experience with TIG. So you think it's Jeff Speakman's perfect weapon. How did he start that? that it was film? the perfect yeah. weapon intro. It's beautiful. Oh, I loved it. The perfect weapon. We, call, we talked about that. Check it out in the archives, people. That's a great one. Um, so yeah, everything though about this bust goes to shit, Chad Cruz. It does. I mean, there's, there's people getting shot in the head. I mean, and what it is, is it's, it's these, you know, Italian mobsters and this Irish mobsters, Irish gang, whatever they are. And there's a, an exchange of $3 million for some, for some drugs. Uh, and the cops show up, guns are explode going off. People are getting, uh, their heads blown off and, 
uh, it's a real mess and you get, uh, you get a great shot of, of Tom Hodges as Dylan and, and, uh, Terry Tiggs, uh, kind of camaraderie, their, their, their teamwork in there as they're shooting people and kind of saving each other back and forth and their other buddy, Frankie on the outside. So it's, you, you really, you get a real sense of, of their, uh, them as a duo and it works right. out really well. Yeah. And again, it all starts playing out rather quickly. I mean, it's very well written. Thomas Ian Griffith also writ, wrote, writ, writ this, wrote this movie. Um, he did a good job with that. I mean, everything kind of makes sense, and you, he slowly puts the clues all together as we go on. Well, I am going to stop um, you right there, because how about when he's walking into uh, the place where the deal's going down, and obviously he's a cop, so we know that he recognizes the flunky who's guarding the door, and the guy's just yeah. like, oh, yeah, you were that little asshole. And it's like, did they actually have some kind of a backstory? Like That, that one kind of felt like a little tossed in there. He went to school with them. They're he old Irish, Irish Catholic He never kid. specifically named him or anything. He was like, oh, yeah, you were that little asshole. And then he just takes a swing at him. I I felt like uh, – I thought maybe that was like a joke, you know, like, hey, I remember you. Didn't we go to school together? Like, yeah, you were that little bitch back then. You know what I mean? Like a, Or it could it have been like that, a, yeah. It was a dig. Um, a dig at Tig? What do I know? A dig at Tig. Ding. All right. So, yeah, the three million, though, it's gone missing. So that's going to be a problem. It's going to pose quite the problem, but we now go to the hospital. Terry is there interrogating uh, the one DeMarco guy that barely survived. And Chris, it was not as uh, egregious as the Gary Busey interrogation from Eye of the Tiger, but it was pretty bad. Yeah, uh, right to the point where the uh, you know attorney or uh, representative stenographer, the, yeah, the stenographer, he's like, I didn't hear that. Well, you weren't supposed to. So a little bit of witness intimidation, a little bit of excessive force Ooh, dang, to try to dang, draw dang. something out of them. Uh, what was the uh, Family Guy clip where they were watching something? We have a title. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Mystery Science Theater. Where they're like, we have a title. Yes, we have a title. Uh, yeah. He's trying to get to the bottom of what's going on because, as you mentioned, DeMarco's his white whale. And right now he is so close, but yet so far from getting that man behind bars. Yeah, and the poor sap obviously has no choice. But yeah, yeah, DeMarco did the whole thing. He did the whole thing. All right, good. I'm happy. And now, Chad Cruz, here comes really a man who takes this movie up several notches. Yeah. Captain Devlin. Yeah, we get a quick introduction to Lance Henriksen as Captain Devlin. And, and he shows up to to give Terry the old one-two, give him the lecture. You know, I'm the captain. You're You're kind of out of control. And... Look what, you know, kind of look what happened. This is, this is problematic. Let's put it that way. And, and Lance Henriksen, he makes every film better. There's no doubt about that. Uh, you could put him in, in literally any movie and it, it gets better just by his presence. And, and I think he could, he does that by being a great good guy and a great bad guy, which means that there's always a, a potential for a twist. Um, so. Right. And the, and the fact that they're all Chicago cops. You know, that just the Chicago setting, you know, known for its uh, corruption and, yes. and and backhanded deals and all this in the mob and everybody's all in bed together one way or the other. You know, it makes for an interesting backdrop for this film. It does. And it's gritty, too. You know, these yeah. these guys are, you know, he, he talks about like, uh, you know, this is uh, 
he's been on the case of he's been on DeMarco's ass for years for what, three years or something like that. So this isn't like something he's been working on for two and a half months and something. And and as we find out, it's basically taken over his life. It's ruined his relationship. And basically the only people he has in his life that are close to him are his, his buddy Dylan and his buddy Frankie uh, and this captain that he can hopefully depend on. Hopefully. Chris, DeMarco is pissed. He's got no money. He's got no drugs. And he wants the cops. Uh, and, uh, you know, he he's... It's, it's again, nice to see Burt Young in a different kind of role than we're used to. Than being the friendly falling down drunk or uh, Thornton Mellon's muscle. <laughs> yeah, he's either a gruff, tough guy or he's a mobster. And uh, here we get the latter. And, yeah, he's sending out his foot soldiers. He's like, look, I'm missing $3 million. The cops screwed this one up. Now we're going to take them out. And so now Terry and his crew have targets on their back. But before we get to any of the violence, we get a little musical interlude. The one and only James Earl Jones plays Jake. On the sax. The cl- on the sax. Which in your little notes the- right up, it for a yeah. second, I thought it said cut to James Earl Jones on the sex. And I'm like, this is a very different oh, movie yeah. than what I remember. Yeah, you. I had the ex- director's cut. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Jake owns the club. Uh, that uh, Tom he has like an apartment uh, above. Terry has an apartment above the club, probably because of the relationship issues you mentioned. Chad Cruz. Um, he shows up at the club. Does Terry gets on stage? We get a little jamming uh, with the band. He's on the piano, but these good times are about to come to a very bloody. And gruesome end uh, because the next day we're in court that they find out that the statement that Terry obtained was not uh, admissible because of the say it excessive force people. That's right. Excessive force. This is the third time DeMarco's beaten Terry. So uh, Devlin's pissed Chad Cruz. He is. Yeah, he's. A, I mean, he's the captain, and it's clear that he kind of captain has, is about to become chief of police yeah, too. That's he, another thing we should mention because aspirations of going up. You know, he wants to be chief, and you can't have loose ends out there holding back his career uh, progression. And and I think that whether he at this point, you know, it, it's hard to tell at this point, right? If it's the first time watch, and you're watching Captain Devlin, you're you're like, well, he could be a good guy, he could be a bad guy. He could want this over with for this reason. He he could want Terry out of the way for another reason. So um, it's either way, Terry is kind of in a shitstorm, and his short fuse doesn't help anything. No, uh, and he tries to burn off some steam, Chris, do a little sparring with his boy Frankie. And we learned some uh, facts during here. Again, as I said, very well paced. We get little nuggets here and there as we go, and it all starts coming again. Yeah, we know that frankly, Fra- yeah, frankly, I'm sorry. Frankly, Frankie has a bit of a gambling problem and McCain is living the single life above the bar because he has been separated from his wife who just so happens to be a pretty famous fashion model within the world of excessive force. Played by Charlotte Lewis, mm. one of your favorites, Chad Cruz. Indeed. And uh, this is a very good movie for people who like Charlotte Lewis. It's a very good movie, but it's also frustrating when you have to watch it in very poor quality. Mm. Uh, now, what quality did DVD. you watch it in? I watched it 
on YouTube. There are two copies sir. on YouTube. I'm assuming you found the one that is very, uh, very muddily digitized. Indeed, I did. Ah. But I will search for the other version. There is another one, but. I'm going to throw this in there. As of about a year ago, if you look in the right spots at the right time, this one has been available at Dollar Tree. Yeah. Really? I have, uh, I've done some Dollar Tree perusing. You know, I'm, I'm probably like a, a once a monther at a couple locals. But, you know, I can only look at the same D- Blu-rays and DVDs so many times. <laughs> I lose heart, Toy Man. I lose heart. There's a lot of Christmas ones at mine. I noticed. Oh, I mean, timing is everything. It's almost time for that season. Yeah, but but probably by the time the Christmas season comes, those won't be there somehow. But other, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Let's move on because we now get to see James Earl Jones do an Irish jig. Darth Vader. With a big smile on his face doing it. Darth Vader, King Joffy Jaffer, doing an Irish jig. Skeletor would never do an Irish jig. Oh, there you go. Good, good point there for you once but again. But he did help kids at Christmas time. Uh, he did. Damn it. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, we get to see the jig. Jake's like, hey, you're a great piano player. Why don't you give up on this crap that's driving you crazy, ruining your life? Yeah. You have a future here playing the piano. You could do music. And what a much better life that would be for you. Live off your wife's model money. Just go around playing the piano. Come on. But Terry, he's a stubborn son of a bitch, Chad. What does that say about the the career of policing in Chicago? It's like you know, it's he's got he's a detective for God's sakes. He's got to be making decent money. How much money could a guy just making or playing piano in a fucking jazz bar make? Uh, it can't <laughs> be that much. I mean, he's got a pension, right? Come on. Listen, I don't know about all that, but uh, I do know what Jake was trying to do, and, and he's I'm talking just, about look, retirement brain. He's. I'll never retire. I'll just die calculating bulletproof gladiator stats one day. A season 900 stroke. A stroke. One day we, we don't hit the number that's in your head that we have to hit. And he yeah. has a stroke. It's over. It's all done. Um, yeah. It, that's I'm really getting depressed thinking about it. So I'm going to just move on because we've got the interesting scene because while Terry's, Talking to Jake, Dylan is having some shower sex, Chad Cruz. Yeah, I mean, it looks like fun. Uh, it's never <laughs> as good as you think it's going to be. I'm going to say that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's fun to watch from a distance. But again, poor quality video. It's just not It's not something, you know, I was didn't move the needle. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, so Chris, he's uh, doing that and... Uh, has plans to give uh, his boy Terry a little pussy for his birthday. Hey. Um, but uh, then things just don't happen at well, all. Well, let's explain that by pussy you mean the kitten and not by sharing his Yeah, the, the little cat. Right. No, of course not. This is not one of those. They're not swingers. I mean, they're close friends, but not that close. That's right. Well, we never get to find out how close they are because DeMarco's guys show up and decide to take Dylan along for a ride that he is not going to come back from and uh, send his girlfriend to her demise as well. 
Yeah, if she would just stayed in the bathroom for like one more minute. Yeah. She probably would have been fine. She would have come out and just been like, where's Dylan? Instead, she's dead. Uh, so she's down. Yeah, they, they take him to a men's room to interrogate him. Um, and uh, he does not know where the money is. And it's legit. He doesn't know. But DeMarco doesn't believe that crap. Uh, so they bust his kneecaps, which is a gruesome way to go. you know. And then they just shoot him in the head like two minutes later. So I guess, I don't know. Did they do him a favor, Chad? What do you say? I think so. I think that kneecap business would be pretty painful. And he handles it pretty well. I mean, he gives one out one good scream. And then he just kind of, you know. Yeah. Well, I'm screwed. I, I think the that went across his mind, and at that point, a bullet to the head is probably a favor. I would think. Mm-hmm. Not the Sylvester Stallone movie of the same name, though. No, I couldn't stand that movie. Okay, I I just wanted to allow you to shit talk it for a moment. <laughs> so the next day, we get the uh, Terry's up at the crime scene at Dylan's apartment. We see the dead girlfriend, um, the very much alive kitten. Um, and you know, at that point, Terry's like, there's no way Dylan's still, you know, cause he would have heard from Dylan. Obviously there's yeah. no way Dylan's alive. Um, and, uh, you know, captain Devlin's like, okay, he knows what's up. DeMarco's coming for you guys. So you and Frankie better stick together. Um, and then we go to the junkyard, Chris and, and, uh... And and the we're we've got confirmation. Yeah, this was not a, this was not a fun find. This was not like yard sailing or thrifting because uh, poor Terry <laughs> finds his buddy's dead body at the junkyard. It's not like a Dollar Tree visit where you find a solid gold movie in the bin. It was. Not, I would love to find episodes of Solid Gold at Dollar Tree. <laughs> I watched a clip of Solid Gold of uh, Sheila E doing a Love Bazaar, which is one of my all time favorite songs. Uh, and she was obviously just lip syncing the whole thing because I didn't see Prince there, but I heard his voice. Uh-huh. Solid Gold oh. was a good time with Madam. Oh yeah, I yeah. Dion Warwick, of course, was our host for many of those years. All right, Solid Gold out the door. What we've got now <laughs> is uh. You know, I know when I found a Dollar Tree break in two electric. Ah, yes, you had oh, both wow. of the break in movies because I have it, but I gifted it to Mr. Matt Spector because everyone deserves a copy of that film in their home. I would wholeheartedly agree, especially since the Shout Factory Blu-ray is now out of print. Yeah, that's what I have. I've got the the Blu-ray. Brain, you know what my favorite gift you've ever given me is? What's that? The gift of friendship. Your friendship. I knew it. I knew it's a, I know it's bullshit, but uh, you know I I knew that's where you were going. See, that's how close we are. Well, I hope one day if you find me in the junkyard, you are very pissed off, just like Terry is, because he if goes, I, "What's that?" I will go straight to my ex's. <laughs> he goes straight to Anna's place. Okay. Yeah. No, he doesn't. Oh, he goes to uh, Demarco's private club. Oh, that's right. Damn. Damn. Never mind. Yeah. But there are no DeMarcos there. Uh, he does find out that Vinny is out at some Chicago hotspot. So then he goes and just beats the fuck out of him as he's leaving that place. Showing a bit of just, uh, shocking restraint, judging by the fact that he knows that they're responsible for his partner's death instead of just. Do, do you think it's because there were there are so many witnesses? Uh, could have something to do with it. I would. Like if he found him in an abandoned alley somewhere. 
Oh, just the two. He does put them. a sound thrashing on him, and uh, I should also point out uh, for anyone who has not done their IMDbing about the cast of Excessive Force, but uh, Vinny DeMarco is most famous, uh, especially to a lot of people our age, as being Warren uh, Cameron Diaz's brother in "There's Something About Mary." Oh, how about that? Oh. Break a beans. <laughs> I, I. Uh... I'm gonna have to say he didn't, he doesn't kill him, right? It's it's a he throws his head through the window trait. twice because it happens again later. He has an opportunity to kill someone and he chooses not to. I think it's a it's an ethical thing. He's a cop. He's a cop, right? That's Excessive true force, too. maybe, but he ne- he doesn't he cross, cross the line. That. Very good point. He's like Batman. He's almost like Batman, but Batman's killed all kinds of people. Mm. Like who? Uh, have you ever watched 1989 Batman or Batman Returns? It just <laughs> throws people off the building and shit. Oh, yeah, that's true. Giant machine gun on his bat wing. Mm-hmm. That's why I haven't seen Jack Nicholson in too many things lately. Yeah, All he's right. super dead. All right, so Terry goes over. This is the part you were rushing to, Che Cruz. Goes over to Anna's place, but she's not there, but he lets himself in. Yep. Um. So he's just playing the piano, drinking, hanging out with his cat. Uh, she does come home with her friend, Yvonne, the photographer. And uh, she's obviously pissed, but then he tells her what happened to Dylan. And then she kind of, what's she going to do? She can't, she can't be pissed at him now. Yeah. His friend died. Right. It's actually kind of nice that, that she's a much nicer person than I thought they were going to pull out. You know, she seems more real as a real person than just a character in a film where, you know, she's upset that he's there. You can't just come over here like unannounced. Right. Like we, you haven't seen you in three months. You're now you're sitting here getting drunk. And then he tells her what's up. And it's like, Oh my goodness. Like she, they're humans. They had a relationship and now she's there for right. him. So it, it, it's actually a nice scene. I thought. Right. She knows you know, how close Dylan was to him. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a big deal. What happened? And there, you know, it's a, Anyway, he would have died, but he died in a horrific fashion. So yeah. that's that's not good. But we, we get to uh, Dylan's wake. Um, him and Frankie are leaving. Frankie wants to get out of those funeral clothes and says, hey, come by my place. Meet me there. And I guess they were going to go do some work or something. They're going they to drink. Some... They're going to drink. Oh, they were going. OK, that makes sense, too. Yeah. Um, so Terry gets there, Chris, and. uh Good thing he didn't go up. Good thing he just sat outside screaming from the sidewalk. Yeah, because uh, just as he's about to head up the stairs, we hear a big explosion. We see the fire breaking out the windows. And a couple of moments later, we get confirmation that there's a Kentucky Fried Frankie in a body bag. Yeah, he comes out. uh, Devlin takes a look at him. Regrets doing that. Um, And yeah, now we've got one man left, Chad. Terry's the last man standing. And... uh, Devlin's like, do what you got to do. Yeah, this, that is like, this is like Hank Voigt in Chicago PD in today's world. Just We just do what we want. We're the cops, but we're doing it for good reason. Last Man Standing would have been a cool title. I know Jeff Wincott wouldn't have liked that, but uh, yeah, or Captain Bruce Devlin. Willis. Or Bruce Willis or probably five other people who started that movie. Tim Allen. Oh, there you go, Tim Allen. Uh, Captain Devlin gives him the go-ahead, which is... Another point in the movie where you're like, okay, which side is this guy on? 
Because you're, you're, I mean, it's Lance Hendrickson. You're just expecting him to to be a bad guy at some right, point. It's like a John, when John P. Ryan shows up. And yeah, says, you're like, okay. When John P. Ryan was in Delta Force 2, I was waiting for some trouble. Yeah. But it didn't happen. But yeah, like you said, he gives him the go-ahead, and it's uh, about eight seconds later, and Terry's on his way to whoop some more ass. Yeah, and he does. He gets a, some good ass-whooping scenes in this thing. where He he's, does. He's showing off that he can do... He can be one of those action heroes. He really can. And what is his, uh, what's his background? What's is? I mean, it looks like like some Taekwondo and stuff, but. Um, Christy Petrillo knows everything. What we got? Uh, I believe TIG is Taekwondo and Kempo. Okay. He's got that great reach. There's long kicks and he, uh, some beautiful kicks. I mean, but you know, you know, the biggest problem I have with his kicks in this film is he kicks a guy like seven times when the guy goes down sometimes. Mm. Like there's is an excessive amount of excessive kicking is what they should have called it <laughs> <laughs> beautiful kicks but i'm like dude go down this guy's got to sell that better yeah yeah i i see that but uh yeah so he goes to uh the restaurant demarco's restaurant just starts kicking ass the one guy goes to take out the trash he beats the shit out of him then he shows up inside starts beating the shit out of that guy then he's got him He's got him right where he wants him. He's got Sal DeMarco on the floor, crying, begging for his life. Gun pointed right at him. Yeah. And can't do it. Yeah, that's a, I mean, I think that's a tough, a tough position to be in. The guy's begging for his life. He's just a tough, you know, he's telling him, like, I want the tough guy. I want the guy who tortures people and shoots people in the head, like, he wants him to fight him. Like he, right. He needs him to do it. That way he could follow Just, through and he could justify what he's do, about to do. Exactly. So when he starts crying and weeping on the floor, it's just like, you know, he spit, you know, spit on him too. Like you're beneath me. But. So he goes to Devlin the next day, tells him, or no, wait a minute. I'm, I've skipped ahead. So he goes to Anna's um, or no, she goes to his place he says, hey, I saw DeMarco last night. I could have killed him. I didn't do it. They go for a nice walk, and that's when they see the headline that frickin' DeMarco is dead, but he didn't do it. So now he has to go to Devlin and say, hey, I just want you to know I didn't do it. I know you told me to go do it, but I didn't do it. So then Devlin's like, well, you better figure out who the hell did it. I'll give you some time, but there's really no time, Chris, because... The news is already talked. Yeah, uh, and he finds that out by James Earl Jones. He's cleaning up the bar and overhears it on the radio and shouts up to him. So, uh, you know, good uh, good placement of the radio and living above your friend right there because otherwise Terry might not yeah. be aware that the whole city is on the lookout for the cop that might have done in the mob boss. Now, is it true that uh, 80% of owning a bar is just washing the bar, the top of the bar? With a rag. Yeah. I mean, and that's if you're a good bar owner. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I watch Bar Rescue. I don't, they don't do it that much. Bar Rescue just ain't the same. The early ones were good. And what a sad state of affairs that, you know, you have to say the good episodes of Bar Rescue. But uh, (laughs) ever since they became like really slick and overproduced, they just kind of lost their charm. Yeah. Like, I don't think that bar in uh, No Holds Barred was uh, wiping down the thing. He no, probably it. not. No. I always think of the bar in The Simpsons when Homer doesn't want to go to Moe's because he stole the flaming Homer from him. 
And there's like the big gruff uh, biker guy. And Homer's like, can I have a clean glass? And the guy goes, oh, here you go, your majesty. Ah, <laughs> uh, Simpsons. Uh, so the other thing about this news report, though, is they decide to mention that uh, Terry is linked to fashion model Anna Gilmore. Yeah, what the hell? So it's like putting her on, on front street. So. You know, Terry gets over there, and they got to get out of town. Fortunately, Anna has a farmhouse outside of Chicago. Uh, Most so that's people they, do in these movies. It's, who wouldn't? Yeah. Um, so he get, once he gets there, he's like, hey, Devlin, we need to have a meeting. Um, and uh, then he has a rather interesting <laughs> chat with I think Thomasine Griffith, as the writer, was very proud of this next line, Chad Cruz. Yeah. Or a series of lines. Well, yeah. I, why I'm don't you give us your dramatic reading of, of these lines? Yeah, I'll set the scene a little bit here. So you've got Terry, you've got Anna. They're heading out to the farmhouse. They pull off to the side of the road, and and uh, it's, a, it's a very tense moment. Terry, he's in very dangerous business right now, and he gently leans down to Anna, and whispers uh, not too softly, loud enough for the boy in the truck near them to hear. <laughs> but he says, I want you to feel something. I want you to take it out slow. <laughs> and she's like, oh, no, he's right there. He'll see us. And yeah, What a kinda, dirty little woman she is. Huh? He just kind of slides her hand right into his yeah. duster jacket. <laughs> And she pulls out his piece. Gun, of course. His gun, yes, his gun. There you go. What a what a huge disappointment! I think you, I think you just titillated a portion of the audience, Jay Cruz. <laughs> I hope so. With your phone sex like voice that you use. I'm lighting candles right now. <laughs> <laughs> Can't stop licking my lips. <laughs> so. Terry goes to this meeting after this interesting conversation and quickly finds out he's been set up because there's three guys that are ready to kill him. Um, but he ends up taking all of them out because, again, we've clearly established at this point he can kick a lot of ass. Um, and, and when yeah, when you're trying to kill him, he'll gladly kill you. And that's a good scene. You know, he jumps up on that on that pole thingy. And the car yeah. goes underneath of him, and then he just starts fucking shooting it. That was good. I like that scene a lot. And these guys that they're sending after him, I mean, I guess they they kind of make sense that these like mobster guys aren't like a bunch of like dudes who are going to go toe to toe with them in the martial arts department. You know, like most martial arts movies, at some point, TIG would have a a, a real fight with someone. Uh, you know, a knockdown, drag out fight. You know, he would have his Bolo Young whooping his ass and fighting back and forth. But in this movie, he's fighting the mob, and it's just a bunch of Italian dudes who are all out of shape uh, who can't shoot. Right. So it seems realistic to me. Right. They're, you know, maybe they're used to like just knocking off some, I don't know, everyday person, but uh, Terry is no everyday person. So, um, where are we now? So once, uh, oh yeah, I now want you to take it out slow. No, we did that part already, Chad. Oh uh, my bad. Devlin gets a mysterious call. And he, you know, it's like, what? What's going on? What's going on? And then Chris, right after the mysterious call, 
what a rooftop meeting he has. Yeah, it turns out that uh, the obvious choice for villainy is obvious because Devlin goes to meet with the younger DeMarco, Vinny DeMarco, and decides to have Vinny go and take care of the Terry problem. Yeah, and what a problem that is going to be. But before we get to that... Little Terry has a no, problem. No, not yet. Main one, oh, before we get to it. that, he goes to Sam, like the veteran cop on the force, a guy he kind of feels he could trust, I would imagine. Because why would he go to him a otherwise? A mentor, if you will. Indeed. And he finds out that Devlin has been in cahoots with old man DeMarco since like basically the beginning. Um, he's been there while he was climbing the ranks of the police force. He was already in the pocket of Sal DeMarco. Um, and that's when it all kind of clicks like, okay, if that's true, that's a huge skeleton in his closet, Chad Cruz. So it would make perfect sense that Devlin wants the DeMarco situation to go away. Yes. 100%. You know, he can't have these loose ends on his hanging over him, uh, as, as he progresses into, becoming the new chief, which is a big, big position in in the city of Chicago. Absolutely. And then here is the scene that Chad Cruz will go on to the better version on YouTube. As soon as we're done recording this podcast, if he doesn't already have it pulled up, uh, because we get exactly sexy time with Anna, Chad Cruz. Yeah. I'm about to have it pulled out. Um, the, (laughs) you know, it, 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 I'm going to say something positive about the scene other than what you you think I'm going to say. Okay. And I think that it, it, it makes sense, right? I know what you're thinking. He's an action lead in a film. He just found out one of the men he trusts the most is stabbing him in the back and getting his friends killed and trying to kill him. Why would he go have sex with this woman? But if you remember, he was shot in an, in an earlier scene. Even Sam mentions, oh, you're bleeding. Yeah. yeah, dude, I'm bleeding. I got shot. So he goes to Anna to get sewn up. And during the sewing process, you know, I think it has to do with the stitching and the, the idea of tightness. He starts thinking, you know, tightness here, tightness yeah. there. Yeah. Let's get let's He's get busy. Lost, lost some bodily fluids, ready to lose a little bit more. <laughs> like erotic nursing. <laughs> Erot- Ooh, I've, I'm gonna look that up too. I bet I can. <laughs> Naughty nurses. Thousands of search th- results on that one. Yeah, I think uh, Toy Man's got some VHS with some Naughty Nurse movies on it too. Uh, but yeah, it's a great Charlotte Lewis is. Uh, <laughs> she's uh, she's gorgeous. She's great rack. Yeah, know, she's. <laughs> we've seen it a couple times already in her film career, and you know, I, she was she was uh, a character, an actress that I remember most from. The Golden Child as a kid. Correct. I love that movie yeah. a lot. And then Men of War, of course, she's in that and, and a bunch of other flicks. But um, yeah, I I was very happy to see her in this one because I had an idea what might come. Who might who might come? All of the above. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, while that's going on, Devlin is having a press conference. He mentions excessive force again, which is always wonderful to get the uh, the title in there. Yeah, they should have had a cut scene when he said excessive force of like Tig, like just that thrusting. I did want to mention, you know, we have TIG with this uh, lovemaking scene. Uh, kind of an interesting piece here because 
you know, the hero, as Jean-Claude Van Damme has taught us. Yeah. The main hero in the movie is the one who should be shown off his ass. But in this case, right. it was his boy Dylan in the yeah. earlier sex scene. So That's he true. like passed off the baton. You could do the the obligatory right. action hero ass scene because I, T.I.G., don't want to have my bony ass on camera. <laughs> it's a very restrained scene. Uh, and maybe, you know, he wrote, you said he wrote the, the film. He sure uh, did. He probably did that to... So he didn't seem like a creeper, you know. Well, and I think he works on these with his wife, so oh, that's even better. Probably, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think they produced it, so yeah. Because if I had written the script and I was starring it, it'd be like camera <laughs> pans to left, man <laughs> sucking on nipple. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could see that. Uh, <laughs> Jesus, this is a. Uh... We're we're done here. I think no, we're not. So Terry wakes up the next wait, morning. Wait, 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 I also have uh, James Earl Jones doing a jig, the saxophone <laughs> playing the saxophone in the background. Oh, like the finest PM Entertainment lovemaking scenes. You need saxophone music. Oh yeah, to make it work. Oh. They could have been downstairs and they could have been upstairs. It would have made oh, so yeah. much sense. Oh my God. I'm rebooking it. <laughs> Rebook it, brain. So yeah, next morning, can we move on, please? Terry wakes up, realizes something's not right. Uh, DeMarco's crew is there, gets Anna to the cellar, uh, but ends up, you know, it's like, don't come out. But good thing she did because she ends up saving his ass, taking out one of the three goons. Um, then they go to the barn. They hide there, take out another goon. And then Vinny, he just drives his freaking car right through them. He's just frustrated at this point, not yeah. thinking straight, obviously. He drives right through. Boom, boom, boom. He's dead in the head. Done. He's done. And now a really dramatic scene, Chris. Let's try to get back on track here. Terry has to go confront Jake because not too many people knew about this farmhouse. And Jake's the only one alive. Yep. And uh, Terry's feeling betrayed. And Jake basically says, if that's what you think, then go screw because it wasn't me. And you should know better than to even insinuate that I would sell you out. So, yeah. You know, and I think that does sink into Terry. And now he's like, okay, I got to figure out what Devlin's next move is. So he tracks him down, follows him into this hotel. Devlin goes up. Very this is a high rise. He's up there on the upper floors. Penthouse suite. Goes to a, go to a penthouse suite. Gets inside. Sees a mirror. And in the mirror, he says Frankie five times. He appears. <laughs> That's right. Frankie ain't dead. It was all a setup. These two are in cahoots for that $3 million. But as you talked about, Chad, several times already, there is a major loose end on that end of the things, too, because they need to get rid of old Terry. They do indeed. And, you know, Terry, uh, he's not an easy person to get rid of. Uh, Anna tried. He's been gone for three months. And here he is crawling back to her. Uh, and then uh, Captain Devlin and DeMarco have been trying to kill him for the whole damn movie. So it, it it's an important scene because we finally were revealed like how bad Devlin is 
He's literally telling Kevin or telling Kevin, telling Frankie, you need to go kill one of your best friends. Right. <laughs> like, or, or you don't, I'm or not going to pay you. Yeah. You're not getting your 1.5. Yeah. The entire time, Frankie's just snorting cocaine, like schmap, 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 like <laughs> back and forth, nostril after nostril. So uh, he's the kind of person that it, it appears. The nose candy man. Some nose candy. But I even like all coked up, he's very reluctant to follow these orders. Right. Well, and, and you know what? Even all coked up, like even when he is pushed and a couple later scenes after this, he's still friends with Terry. Like they still went through the shit together. So yeah, it's a very interesting character because Frankie has got his vices, you know, he's got his gambling and his, his drug addiction, but uh, he's still a person, you know? Yeah. I, yeah. I, and I think that comes back into play. Like you said, these are real, these aren't just action movie stereotype. Exactly. This, yeah. this is more gritty and realistic. I agree. Uh, so Frankie goes in incognito mode, uh, slips out of his room, goes to the service elevator. At that point, now Terry goes into the room and sees that racing form. And he's like, wait a minute, is Frankie still freaking alive? Because, yeah, that corpse was so you, it could have been anybody burned beyond belief. Yeah, it, was, it was charred up. Was that an incognito? Was that a Richie incognito Miami Dolphins reference again? No. OK. Frankie goes to Terry's place. Oh, he didn't go to Hollywood. He does. He did do that, but that was <laughs> that was in the eighties. This is in the nineties. So Frankie goes to Terry's place, um, and he's uh, it's above Jake's club as we've established. So he hears a message that Anna's leaving for Terry. That you know what? I'm going to just go to the photo shoot as I was planning. Yvonne's waiting for me. Blah blah blah. Jake comes in with his shotgun, catches Frankie escorts him downstairs like okay we're gonna call the cops because you're supposed to be dead and now you're here breaking in and trying to figure shit out you're up to no good i know you're up to no good but uh jake gets shot frankie takes off and then terry comes in and sees his boy on the floor chad yeah it's another good scene i mean it's funny because we had the scene earlier where he was uh essentially calling jake out saying that you 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 did this to me and you, you let them know where we were going to be. And then, and now his friend is bleeding on the floor because of, of Terry and trying to protect Terry. So um, any doubts are completely gone. I mean, I don't think there were any after that original scene, but um, yeah. And, and, and Jake won't even let Terry stay to help him. He's like, he's going after your woman, like go right. get him. You he knows where him. she is. Go. So he, he calls 911 and takes off. Yeah, and the cops do show up. Then Jake is like, "Hey, he tells Sam Frankie's alive." The other cop, who's dirty, along with his boy Devlin, it's like, "Oh, you're crazy. You're you're you know you're in shock. You're hysterical. Let's move it along." Um, and meanwhile, we now get the Frankie and Terry showdown at the studio, where uh, Terry wisely had everybody evacuate before the uh, carnage began. And Chris, uh, this is where. You know, Frankie just can't do it. No, and they get into a little slugfest. That's a nice little callback to earlier when they were sparring in the boxing Mm -hmm. ring. So uh, they're trading blows. Uh, Tony Todd even snapped off a nice little high kick during this brawl. But uh, Mm -hmm. what feet and fists do not accomplish, Devlin and his gun do, because he's the one who decides to show up and off Frankie and cut bait on him. 
Yeah, no, he doesn't have to split the money, and Frankie ain't doing what he's supposed to do anyway as far as Devlin's concerned. And then Chad Cruz, they go, it's it's time. We go Terry versus Devlin on a Chicago rooftop. Yeah, it's, it's you know what? It's a really fun fight. You, I, th- I felt like uh, Lance Hendrickson was very much like his hard target character at times. Yes. You know, he's like grabbing weapons. He's not going to go punch for punch with Terry because he can't. And I think he knows that. So he's grabbing like wrenches and little iron pieces of iron and beating him with it. And uh, it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, we've said, I've said it multiple times. I think this script, it does well for the characters and it, and a lot of this, the scenes make sense. It's not just uh action for action's sake. And uh, we don't get the, uh, the finale fight that you would see in a lot of action movies. Um, but it's a pretty darn good one. And it ends with one of my one of my new favorite kicks to end a film. And, and by end the film, I mean finish off the final bad guy. Right. And it's a fucking Mortal Kombat, like Raiden <laughs> from across the screen, kicks the dude off a building. It's nice. It's a nice and fitting demise to that son of a bitch Devlin. And again, Lance Henriksen's so good. So good. Made this movie. If it was anybody but Tim, I don't know that this movie would be as good as it is. I just can't imagine. Who who else could it have been? Michael Iron. I don't even want to think about it, really. Michael Iron, William Forsyth. I mean, there's a number of guys who I feel like would fit the role, but I don't know if anyone has that gravitas that Lance has right. as a captain or as a chief. Right, right. Well, the good news is not only that uh, Devlin has been eliminated, but Jake survived his right. shot. And Terry and Anna and the cat go to visit them at the hospital. But then they ask the question, what about that $3 million? And earlier in the movie, we saw that uh, Devlin had it stashed in like an old refrigerator down in his laundry room in the basement of his house. And that's where we see the old Salvation Army loading it up in a truck and taking it away. Mm -hmm. Chad just went into his refrigerator in his basement that doesn't have three million dollars but has a beer in it so yep. i think i'd rather have devlin's the excessive uh, drinking podcast oh. <laughs> that's that could be the spinoff of this show uh so final thoughts chris uh this has always been a fun one i like this one i think that there probably was a little bit less martial arts action uh, then people who saw uh, Thomas Dean Griffith in Karate Kid Part 3 might have expected. Uh, to your point, it seemed very Seagalish, where he was also relying on firepower as much as his martial arts prowess. But, you know, he was fun. He was a good leading man. Uh, and it's kind of a shame that this one did not take off as intended, because there were a lot of vehicles that we have seen uh, throughout the 90s and the early 2000s that he could have easily been slotted in as the leading man. Uh, and it just really wasn't to be. Yeah, he like did this and he did Cracker Jack. I think it was really his only like leading man. Well, he was he the villain in the Time Cop sequel. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm talking about hero wise, though. He didn't have that many options or opportunities. No. He did the Cracker Jack, the first Cracker Jack movie. Yep. Which was um, a couple of years after this. That was what, 96? I believe so. Um, but, you know, this one is one I remember renting back in the day. I was intrigued because, you know, I liked the Terry Silver character from Karate Kid 3. And I'm like, okay, they're going to make this guy a, a hero. And, and that's been done before. We saw it with uh, Dolph mm-hmm. 
Yeah. He was the villain in Rocky four and then became a, an action hero. So I, I enjoyed it. I think every time I rewatch it, I enjoy it a little bit more just because it's, it's a very good movie. Is it the most action packed? Is it the most martial arts crazy? No, but it's a, it's a good movie. And, uh, I enjoyed the rewatch and I glad Sorov uh, asked us to watch this one and, and talk about it. What about you, Chad? Again, basically coming in completely new to this movie. Yeah. A great selection, great movie that he chose. And, uh, I enjoyed it a lot. And the more we've talked about it, the more I enjoyed it, I think, because I, I, I just finished it today. It took me a couple uh, sittings to watch it, to finish it all. Um, but uh, I loved it a lot, you know, to be honest with you. And I think that you can tell that he has a great kind of presence on screen. Like he can physically, he can do everything that's needed in, a, in an action movie. Um my my question would be like when he's not writing the script for himself to be in that role, is it going to be as good? You know what I mean? Like you, you could, how many movies, you know, Seagal had five awesome movies to start his career off and then he really hit the, hit the and, shit. And, right? and is that why he didn't have as many movies is because he wanted more control of everything. That's very possible. I mean, it, that's kind of what the, like the Philip Ree syndrome was like, right. he only wanted to do best of the best movies even if they had nothing to do with best of the best, he was going to call him best of the best and do his movies. He didn't yeah. do a bunch of other stuff where he easily could have in, yeah. in that time frame. Yeah. And, and you could have seen like Thomas Ian Griffith as, you know, he, he, he came on and played the villain. Like we talked about in the, the time cop sequel and then in uh, John Carpenter's vampire, um, great villains, but he, uh, he had the ability to be a, an, an action leading man, I think. But if, if he's not writing it, if it's not like this uh, Irish cop in Chicago, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like everything is just perfect in this movie for him. Um, yeah. Like so, this was, this was floating around in his head for quite a while. Probably. Uh, and, and you know what? It's, it's fantastic. Like the scenes play out really well. I think all the characters make sense and there's not like these glaring omissions of story and plot. And like, why would this guy do this? Why would he do that? Like it all, it all generally makes sense. Now, there was an excessive force, too, force on force. And mm. I know if anybody did not start TIG, um, if anybody on this podcast has seen that movie, it is Christy Petrillo. That Chris. is correct. Uh, I have it. I've actually got a copy in one of the old burned DVD folders. Uh, I have not revisited that one in quite a while, but that one is uh, an in-name only sequel. Uh, right. No characters, no relationship to this film. Uh, it's about a cop she's basically got like ptsd and decides to go and uh bust her old boyfriend that had set her up uh there is actually though if you want to tie things together a relationship to karate kid three through that one because the villain uh is uh dan gautier uh he would be remembered as being the uh, dickhead jock guy in the movie Son-in-Law and in Saved by the Bell Hawaiian style. Mm-hmm. And he was in the movie Teen Witch with Robin Lively, who played Jessica Andrews in The Karate Kid Part 3 with Thomas Ian Griffith. And the mac and cheese. Yeah. All right, well, there you go. Excessive force. Once again, thank you, Saurav Dutt, for the suggestion. And again, if you want to suggest something for us to talk about here on the Bulletproof Podcast, you could do so at Bulletproof Pod on Twitter and at Bulletproof Action on Facebook and Instagram. 
We are going to take a quick break and then we will be back to wrap things up, talk about what's coming up and more. Welcome back to the Bulletproof Podcast. Chris the Brain, Chad Cruz, and the toy man, Christy Petrillo, with you. Of course, we encourage you to check out BulletproofAction.com. Not only for all the great new things we have planned. I know, Chris, you mentioned uh, covering Chucky. Uh, I've got uh, Accident Man, Hitman's Holiday coming up. Uh, Black Adam's coming up next month. So a lot coming out. Of course, our continued coverage of House of the Dragon. And I want to talk to anybody out there who's a House of the Dragon fan that has also wandered into this podcast. Welcome. Because there's a whole lot of you coming to the site. I don't know if you're checking anything else out. But they are definitely checking that out, Chad. That's good to hear because, you know, it's a fun show. Um, well, fun might not be the right word, but it's a really entertaining show. Uh, I, I enjoy that whole world. and But I'm very happy that Ryan Campbell, our man, on the inside is doing the write-ups for that because uh, I'm a little behind on a couple episodes and there's no way in hell I could keep up with yeah. that pace. He's on it. He is yeah. on it every Sunday. So they go up very early on Monday morning, um, as I know, because I was – waiting patiently at one, about one o'clock in the morning to, to make sure everything was good to go uh, this week. So again, bulletproofaction.com. And uh, Chris, I think you would also, are you considering doing the Halloween ends movie? Uh, yes, I will. Month, and right. hopefully it is much more enjoyable than Halloween kills was. It, it hey, or, or much more use. I, that one, I still don't understand why they even made it, but okay. Can yeah. I say this though? You can. I have not seen all of Halloween Kills, but someone did show me the scene where he murders a bunch of firefighters. Yes. yes. And I got a great laugh out of that. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I mean, that scene realistically was actually in the trailer last year. So really? Yeah, okay. that was, uh, and, yeah, you're, you're not, you're not getting anything spoiled by seeing that. Cause that was pretty much the scene that was in the, uh, elongated trailer slash preview for it. There you go. So, yeah, BulletproofAction.com. And, of course, if you want action figures, well, you want to go to FiguresToyCompany.com. And what's going on over there, Chris? I know Jim Cornette just had a, a couple drops. Uh, yeah, so uh, the new and improved FiguresToyCompany.com. We've got a new website set up, uh, much more easier to navigate, easier to access the things that you might be looking for, whether it be from the world of wrestling, uh, the DC Comics retro figures, the Three Stooges, uh, Kiss, and much more. Jim Cornette, we've got two new versions of Jim that just released a couple of weeks ago on his birthday. We've got him in his pink suit uh, based upon his first appearance on WWF television from Monday Night Raw in 1993. And then we've also got uh, Christmas Corny, Santa Corny, the red and green suit uh, with the colors inverted from the previous red and green release, but with his trademark tennis racket, a microphone for him to cut a scathing promo into his trademark glasses and a festive little Santa hat. So both of those are available on figurestoycompany.com right now. We are getting more items in in a shipment uh, in another week or two. We were expecting a delivery this week, but things are on hold due to the weather down in Florida. So nothing is going to be showing up at the warehouse this week, but we're expecting some new figures for the Scooby-Doo series. Uh, there's going to be a new Figures Toy Company real scale ring coming out. Uh, it's one that we've had in the works for a little while now. Um, very cool, uh, nice little upgraded thing. I mean, our ring has always been considered one of the best by collectors, and this is definitely an improvement on that. Uh, and then we've got more stuff coming out in October from DC Comics. 
uh, the Three Stooges, and much more. So stay tuned to figurestoycompany.com. Check us out on social media. It's at figurestoyco on Twitter. And just look us up by the company name over on Instagram and Facebook to see everything that is coming down the pike and what you can order right now. Yeah, and the holidays are right around the corner. So if you got a, a figure lover in your family or you are the figure lover in your family, you know where to go, uh, figurestoycompany.com. Uh, any interesting Dollar Tree stories before we go, Chris? So Dollar Tree, uh, just this past week, actually, had kind of a uh, super secret drop. It's not where they normally stick the movies in uh, the bin at the front of the store. They're kind of mixing them in with the already existing product, probably as a way to get people to look at all the ones that have been lingering there for the last year or two. So uh, a lot of big budget releases getting dropped Uh my son, Zach, and I went looking the other day and found uh, the 2017 chapter one of It. Uh, we found The Purge election year. Uh, these are all on Blu-ray, mind you. Uh, he got himself a Lego DC superheroes movie. Uh, I also got an action movie that I have not heard of or seen called Code 8, which stars uh, Robbie Amell, uh, Stephen Amell, who was Arrow on the CW, uh, and Sung King of Fast and Furious franchise fame. So there is uh, quite a bit out there, just kind of looking to see what's getting mixed in with the existing stock. And then I've heard that another big drop is supposed to come uh, first or second week of October. So I'll have my eyes peeled on any more action items to add to the collection and potentially review on Bulletproof Action. Excellent. Excellent. And I, I know you have much better luck. I did find it was a Fat Joe movie. Uh, yes, I have. Okay. I know exactly what you're talking to, talking about. I can't think of the name, but I have it as well. Uh, I, I gave that to Matt Spector. Here's a big spoiler alert. Next, uh, next year's Fat Tuesday, you know what the review is going to be. Oh, All right. That's right. Chad Cruz, do you have anything you want to share before we wrap things up? Uh, nope. Pretty good. Well, next time, you know, we're, we're entering spooky season, and next time we're going to be Joined by Ryan Campbell. He'll be back on the show. We're going to be talking some Maximum Overdrive. Ooh, what a wonderful soundtrack that has. Who made who? You'll find out. Damn right. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining me. And thank you, all the listeners out there. And as always, stay tuned for more of the Bulletproof listening to the Geekscape Network.